If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, found on page 1150. We started looking at this chapter last week, and we're going to finish this morning. 2 Corinthians 9, we're actually going to start at verse 6. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and and the generosity of their contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I remember when I was in college, I may have shared this story with you before, my roommate and I, we went to this little Pentecostal church one Sunday morning. I think we had to do it for one of our classes that we were in. And besides the sermon being an hour and a half, so don't anyone ever complain about a 25-minute sermon, hour and a half, that's a long time to sit there. The other thing that really struck me about this worship service is you had to go up front to place your offering in the, in the basket which is fine. We went row by row and came forward and put our offering and then went and sat down. And The only thing is, though, the, 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 the pastor got up afterwards and he walked over and he stood and looked at that basket for a few moments and he says, we got to do this again. You didn't give enough. And so we had to do it all over again. Started from the front, working our way to the back, and everyone's watching as you place your gift in the offering plate. And I don't know, that Sunday I didn't feel like a cheerful giver. Somehow I just felt forced, like the pastor was kind of twisting my arm. You might remember that we've been looking at what it means to be generous or cheerful givers. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians in Corinth, and despite their initial desire and eagerness to take up an offering for those in Jerusalem, After a little while, they kind of lost their enthusiasm. They lost their passion. As we saw last time, Paul says in chapter 8 that this lack of generosity really is a denial of their faith and their love in Christ. Paul says ultimately how they gave really is a matter of obedience or a matter of the heart which means how we give really does matter to God. He's watching. 
He notices the attitude that we give our offerings in. Are we given generously, cheerfully, thankfully, or are we begrudgingly putting our tithe in the offering plate? We really don't want to, but we feel like we have an obligation to do it. See, it's not enough to tithe out of obligation. Paul says the gift acceptable to the Lord must be from a generous, cheerful heart. And if we're going to do this, we said last time we also need to prepare for it. Prepare to make this gift. Make it a matter of prayer. Give it some thought. And you'll find that when you do this, you have a lot easier time giving joyfully, giving cheerfully. Generous giving really does have its roots in the heart of God. And when God sees you cheerfully giving of your time and your talents and your treasure, He not only invites you to share in His own joy, but He also promises to bless you, to give you even more so that you can in turn be a blessing to those around you. He's not blessing you so that you can be rich. That, that, that's kind of beside the point. He's blessing you in order to be a blessing to his honor and glory. And believe me, since everything belongs to the Lord, you can't outgive God. We might give a little, but he, he can give like we never thought, met, thought possible. But before we can do either of these things, we first need to settle something in our hearts and minds, and that's, do we trust God? That's my first point. Do you really trust God? Because it shows, doesn't it? It shows on how we give, our faithfulness in there. See, I think one of the the biggest reasons why people struggle with their, their tithing is because of fear. Plain and simple, fear. Fear of the future, fear of not having enough, fear that the economy will collapse, fear of inflation. Now we can either bring that fear to Jesus and he'll take it from us, replace it with his peace, or we can hold on to it and that fear will drive us and make you want to hang on to everything instead of freely give it away. See, because when you trust God and you trust that he's going to provide for all your needs, he's made that promise to you. You don't have to fear You don't have to worry about that. If you truly believe that, you'll generously give. You give your tithe to the Lord each time you get paid or each Sunday or however you you normally do it. But if you're afraid, if you're trusting your money a lot more than you trust God, then you're going to hold on to it and not let it go. I heard a story about a woman in West Palm Beach, Florida. In the coroner's report, The cause of death was listed as malnutrition. She wasted away to like 60 pounds. The dear old lady uh, wasn't much to look like, wasn't much to to look at, I I guess, toward the end. Um, When they went to her house, it was just a pig pen. It was incredible. Um, She uh, only shopped at at Goodwill or stores like that, Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the only place she would ever go. Um, she also went to all the, the food kitchens in the area. Um, she all, often went to her own church asking for money to pay the bills. And she would even go to her neighbor's homes um, with her hand out asking for, for help in paying bills or food or, or whatever her need was. 
When authorities were cleaning her house, imagine their surprise when they found two lockboxes filled with cash and stocks over a million dollars. Over a million dollars. I realize this is an extreme case, but what did this woman's actions say about her and what she was trusting in? Really, she trusted no one, not even God. She trusted her wealth and hoarded it away for a rainy day that, that never came. And in the process, her wealth ended up stealing her life as well as her joy. It stole her health. She wasn't eating well. She took the gift of God and made it the God of her life. We can do that so easily, can't we? This gift that God has given us, that he blessed us with, that he wants us to freely give away to others, we can hold on to it, and after a while it almost, it does, it becomes a God in our lives that we trust more than we trust God. And this is the danger Paul is warning the Corinthian. The, the, the Christians in, in, in Corinth, um, uh, about in verse 6. Paul makes reference to something we might call the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest states that if you sow your seed sparingly, obviously you're going to reap sparingly, right? And if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. So it is with our giving. When we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. We, we miss out on blessings that could be ours. But when we're generous, when we allow those blessings to pass through us, that's when we experience so much more from God. His joy, His blessings, even His love. This is what God promised us in, in Malachi 3. There God is speaking to the Israelites, challenging them to, to give generously for the what they're going to be doing in the temple. And as they convince the people to give generously, God makes them this promise. And this is our promise as well. Test me on this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it all. Test me on this. It's the only place in the Bible where God says that. Normally we're not allowed to do that. But here God says, test me on this. Generously give. And watch how generous I am to you so that you can continue to be a blessing. Now given God's promise here and in other places, why wouldn't we want to claim this? He's made a promise to us. We can believe it. We can take God at his word, right? Because he doesn't lie. So why not claim this promise for yourself? What would make a farmer not willing to put all his hay seed out in the field? Well, fear of tomorrow, of the weather, too much rain, not enough, cold, frost, lack of sun, too much summer heat, you fill in the, in, in, in the blank. It could be almost anything. There's a lot of unknowns that a farmer faces every summer. But if he doesn't take that step of faith and give up his seed... And there's going to be no return, right? Because the saying goes, you reap what you sow. But it's not just farmers that can be afraid. Every week, every time you get paid, God asks that you put your full tithe in the offering plate. 
to be generous givers. Jesus is calling you to take that step of faith and trust in him. And so each week you have a choice to make, don't you? Am I going to trust in the Lord or not? Will I put my full tithe in the offering plate? Or will I hold on to some of it? It's really that simple. Are you going to trust God in his word? In his promise to you? Or will your giving show that really there's doubt in your heart? And that's why you're not able to give. As I was working on my message this past week, I found a statistic that I, I found encouraging. study was done last year about giving that included 3,354 responses from adult representatives all over the U.S. and the District of Columbia. And the study concluded that Americans who generously support charitable organizations, including churches and other nonprofits, were overwhelmingly practicing Christians. That doesn't really surprise us, does it? Christians are the most giving people in the United States. The study showed that the more involved a person was with church, the more they gave. The only negative part of this study was they found only 40% of Christians actually regularly give. So take all Christians together, only 40% of them give. But that 40% that do give, it's 90% of the giving in our, our country. But for those of you who are willing to walk by faith and trust God even in your giving, you can be assured that you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. And that's really my second point. Paul says in verse 8, For those who take the step of faith, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God says, keep giving cheerfully. Don't stop. Trust in me. And I'll make sure that you have everything that you need so that you can be a blessing to your family, to your church, to those around you. Look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Why does God do that? Why does God bless us like this? Do we deserve it? No way. We don't deserve his goodness. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his care. It's pure grace, isn't it? It's pure grace. He supplies all our needs because he's promised to do that, because he loves us. He can take care of us. Make sure that we have our daily bread. Now when I say this, I'm not saying that God wants every one of us to be rich. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But it does say that he promises to bless each of us so that we have our daily bread and that our needs are met. And to help us be the hands and feet of Jesus, verse 11 says God blesses us abundantly so that we will in turn be a blessing to others. He wants our wells of giving to just overflow in our lives. To give generously, to give cheerfully, to give from glad hearts. Last week I ended my message saying that cheerful giving can also be translated as hilarious giving. 
Have you ever given hilarious? Hilariously, I guess I should say. Let me give you an example. I read this in uh, the Reader's Digest a while back. Elizabeth Clay was going home to North Carolina from her college in Boston on Christmas break. So she's going home from college. When she gets a flat in the middle of the night, when she goes to change it, there's no spare. Well, thankfully, God sent some saints by, Diane, Diane and Clay of, of Woodcock, Pennsylvania, to come and watch over Elizabeth. They happened to be going by, and they picked her up, and they even drove her to a number of service stations, trying to find one that was open so that she could get her tire fixed. Everything was closed. It was the middle of the night. They even called a couple of their friends, but to no avail. No one was answering. To make a long story short, the couple brought the girl home. They fed her, and they gave her the keys to their spare car, which was actually a newer car than the one they were driving, a Ford Escort. And they told her that she could take it home with them. And she goes, I can't take this home. She goes, I, I live all the way in North Carolina, and we're, we're talking Pennsylvania. That's, that's a long ways. Plus, I'm not coming back for two more weeks. And they said, that's okay. We'll be here when you get back. And so they gave her the keys, and they sent her on her way. Hilarious giving. When she showed up two weeks later, not only had they cleaned her car, they vacuumed it out, but they put three new tires on it. And she says, I can't accept this. Why are you doing this for me? We want to bless you just as the Lord has blessed us. They said, it's our pleasure. We were glad to do it. That's hilarious giving, isn't it? That's generous giving, cheerful giving. Asking nothing in return, just giving. And apparently, this, this girl um, was quoted by uh, Reader's Digest as saying that it changed her life. That generous gift that she was given. And now she's constantly looking for ways that she might, in turn, bless those around her. And be a generous giver. God blesses us so that we might in turn be a blessing in the world in which we live. And as we already said, since everything belongs to God, you can't outgive God because He's the greatest giver. When we tithe our treasure and time and talents, and give to the work of the church, and give generously away to others. The Lord takes our offering and blesses it and multiplies it so that it's sufficient to meet the needs of those around you. That's why God blesses us. It's for His honor and glory. It's a way for us, in turn, to, to show Him our, our thanks and gratitude, but it's also a witness to the world, to our neighbors, to those that we help. That something's going on here. Why are these Christians so generous? Why are they so loving? It gives us an opportunity to point their eyes to Jesus. You know, but it's easy to think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm poor. I don't have a lot of money. And so you, you think to yourself, well, the Lord doesn't want the little bit I have. What can I tithe on Sunday? Maybe I can only give a couple dollars or 
just life is hard right now and I, I, I just can't faithfully give. And God asks you to rethink your attitude about giving. Can you imagine if a farmer said that? I'm really poor. I don't really have a lot of seed. I'm going to sow the seed really sparingly in these fields because I want it to last and maybe I'll need it for the future so I better hang on to some of it. What kind of crop is he going to get? Not a whole lot. Just as God has blessed us, we need to be a blessing to others. Just as a farmer has a seed, he needs to plant it all so that he can receive a harvest, a harvest of righteousness. I think a good analogy of what generous giving looks like is the difference between the Dead Sea and the Jordan River or even the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea, it's found in one of the lowest places on our continent, lowest elevations. It has a salt content that's saltier than even the ocean. And that's why you can float on it. 35% more, I, I think I read. And so people, they, they have no trouble floating. There's no way you're going to drown in the Dead Sea because of all that salt. What body of water feeds the Dead Sea? That's the Jordan River. One of the most beautiful and abundant rivers on earth filled with life and fish and trees and plants. And if you've ever seen pictures of it, it really is a, a fertile valley. It's an aquatic paradise. This river comes from where? The Sea of Galilee. Another body of water filled with life. Why is this one body of water filled with death? It's just salt. Nothing can live in it. And the river and the Sea of Galilee is so filled with life. Isn't it because just as there is water coming in, they let water go out? They don't just hold on to that water, but they let it pass through them. That's what we need to be like. Because when we hang on to our, our, our wealth, when we hang on to our tithe, we're going to eventually become like the Dead Sea. We need to be the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, and let it flow through us. And watch how God will bless your faithfulness. God is pleased when you're giving, not because... God is pleased when you give from cheerful hearts. God is pleased when you give your first fruit offering. You know what the first fruit offering is? The Bible talks about that. In the, New, in the Old Testament, that's what he called God's, his people to do, is to give me your first fruit offering of, of your, your, your crops, of your flocks, of everything that you have as a way to express our, our gratitude, our thankfulness. There's even a place in Deuteronomy that talks about it needs to be at least 10%, if, if not more. That carries over into the New Testament. And in the New Testament, it says, while it doesn't say specifically the amount, it says that our righteousness needs to be greater than the righteousness of the teachers of the law, the religious leaders they would have faithfully gave, given 10%. And so Jesus is really saying to us, 
Give as God has blessed you. Even more than that. And then watch God keep his promise to you of blessing you so abundantly in return. God loves when we take that step of faith. When we show through our actions that it's in him that we put our trust. You remember the the widow's mite? Remember what Jesus said about that woman who gave the last two pennies that she owned? This woman was destitute. She had nothing. Absolutely nothing. She gave the very last two pennies that she had. How was she going to feed herself? Where was she going to get bread? But by giving everything that she had, she showed Jesus, God, the people, that she was trusting not in herself to get her daily bread, but she was trusting in her Heavenly Father. And so she could freely give that money away knowing that God would provide for all her needs. She took a step of faith. And that's what we all need to do as well. As Paul thinks about this, the whole gift that we've been given in, in, in Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins, took away our sin, gave us the gift of eternal life. He just erupts in, in this praise to God and he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Can't even really describe it. It's so beyond our, our understanding, the gift that he's given us in Jesus. And just as he has given to us, he calls us in turn to give away to others. We don't deserve this. I already said that. We don't deserve this gift. We can never pay God back. When you, when you tithe, you're not trying to pay God back. You're showing him your gratitude, your thanks. You're showing him your obedience. That you've asked me to do this and I'm going to obey because I trust in you. I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to even be a hilarious giver at times because that's our God. He's the greatest and the best hilarious giver in all the world. Why would he give his one and only son? The very best that he had. We don't know. But that's his love for us and that needs to be our love for those around us. One day when you stand in heaven and God invites you to to claim as your own everything that belongs to him. Do you hear that? Everything that belongs to him, he's going to give to us. Everything. And when you realize that, and and, and when you bathe and and bask in God's glory and, and, and you experience his love and the fullness of his joy and his love, you're going to probably think to yourself, what in the world did I hang on to all that stuff when I was here on earth? When so much more awaits me, waiting for me in heaven. May it be our prayer that for whatever time God gives us here on earth, may we use the resources that he's entrusted to us for his honor and glory. May our generosity to others be used by God to bring many to the arms of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we're all convicted because there's all, we all have times where, Lord, we're not very generous. We give, 
But sometimes we give out of obligation rather than from cheerful, thankful hearts. We ask your forgiveness for this. And we just pray, Lord, that we might trust in you. And Lord, we might offer you our best. We might offer you our all. Lord, just as you have blessed us, may we be a blessing to others. May we not hold on to those blessings, but Lord, may we let it pass through us. And may it be to your honor and glory. Thank you for showing us what giving is all about. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Take my